the days of the Lord and the future of our planet. And uh, we're in Second Peter chapter 3. And as we're looking at this and thinking about this, the, the day of the Lord shows up in Scripture on multiple occasions. And occasionally the day of Christ shows up as well. Is that not working? Oh, it is. And, and, you know, there have been people who have said, well, the planet's not going to last. God's going to destroy it. So let's just abuse it. I, I kind of think the instruction given to Adam and Eve in the garden to tend the garden, to take care of the garden, I think the Lord would want us to, of us, want us to take care of planet Earth. And I'm not one of those people who think mining is evil. God put it there for us to dig out and use. And I'm really glad that I can drive a car and don't have to just walk everywhere I go wearing vegetable shoes or something like that. I'm really glad that we can can uh, mine things and use them. But we know there's been a lot of abuse, and there are people who make living on the planet harder for future generations by taking advantage of what's going on. Um, but the the future of our planet is pretty precisely spelled out in Scripture. And uh, we're going to look at that today and, and what that means. Next week, we're going to look at the day of the Lord and the future of humanity. And we'll look at specifically how that works for us and what happens to us. And uh, so then, so we're going to spend a couple of weeks uh, on this subject, on this thought process, because this is the end times. This is revealed by the Lord. It's for us to have a, a basic understanding. So the, the first thing I said, in the Bible it mentions the day of Christ. And that is used to talk about events surrounding the second coming of Christ. Uh, the times that it's mentioned in Scripture, most of the time it's addressing when Christ returns to the earth. And the day of the Lord is used in connection with the judgment of God. But there's a series of things, like uh, we're, we're going to ask this morning a couple of questions. When is the day of the Lord and how long will it last? Now, when I talk about the second coming of Christ, and we'll get back to it in just a minute, the first coming was when? When he was born in Bethlehem. Actually, the first coming, he had some pre-incarnate appearances in the Old Testament, but his first coming on planet Earth was when Angel Gabriel announced to Mary that she was going to have a baby and immediately she miraculously conceived and then she went over to Elizabeth and Elizabeth was overjoyed because she knew what God had already done inside Mary. So we say it began with his birth, but when does life begin? At conception, at the very beginning of life. That's when life really begins. And so that was his first coming, and he came as the suffering servant. But he's coming again in a little bit different role. So the day of the Lord includes events that actually cover more than a thousand years. And so the first event is the rapture. Now, this is the closest picture I could get. And let me tell you something. That's not what the rapture will look like. How do we know that? Because the Bible tells us, in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, the last trump will sound and we'll be caught up to be with the Lord. So we're not going to float up toward heaven. Uh, that would be kind of cool, wouldn't it? 
float up, float up. And, uh, but it's going to be instantaneous. You're going to be here on planet Earth. You're going to be walking along, and you go to take your next step, and you just go right up, and you're with the Lord in the clouds, and you'll ever be with the Lord. Uh, Paul wrote about that to the church in Thessalonica, and we have instruction on that in other places. The word rapture does not show up in the Bible. It's not a Bible word. It's a term used to describe the catching away, being caught up to meet the Lord in the clouds, and so shall we ever be with the Lord, uh, Paul wrote the church in Thessalonica. So the rapture is the uh, part of the day of the Lord. It's the catching away. So most of the day of the Lord focuses on judgment and difficulties, and we find it mentioned in the Old and New Testament. And so right after the rapture of the church, the believers who are caught up to be with Christ, and then on planet Earth, what takes place next? The tribulation, a period of, of darkness and suffering, and it's going to last for seven years. And if you read the biblical record and it talks about how many people died by this plague and what percentage of the population died by this plague, billions of people will die and those who don't die will suffer greatly. It's an awful time of tribulation on planet Earth called the Great Tribulation, worse than anything that has ever been seen. And in human history, we've seen a lot of human suffering. This will be worse. And then Jesus will return to planet Earth, the second coming. He will come, and the Bible says he'll stand on the Mount of Olives. It'll cleave asunder, and a new river will flow out of it. And he will fulfill the prophecies. At first, he came as the suffering servant. Now he's going to come again as the conquering king. He will rule and reign. And his second coming, uh, he's going to lead in battle. It, he will conquer in what's called the Battle of Armageddon. Uh, and that big battle, and, and it's going to be so bad that the blood is going to splash up to the horse's bridles. Uh, lots and lots of people will die as the armies of God, I mean, the armies against God, the armies of Satan and the Antichrist, and Christ will come and he will conquer. The good news is we'll be with him because we will have been caught up to heaven, and we will come back with him, and uh, he'll be victorious. And then he's going to set up what's called the millennial reign. Why is it called the millennial reign? Because it's going to last for a thousand years. That's why millennial. Millennia, a thousand years. There's a generation called the millennials, right? It's because those are born around 2,000. And so the millennial reign, it'll last a thousand years. How can that happen? I mean, through history, people have tried to do that. You know, Hitler said, the Third Reich would last for a thousand years. And praise the Lord, it didn't. Did enough damage in the few years that it lasted. Uh, but uh, leaders have at different times sought to set up a kingdom that would last a thousand years. And Christ will. And remember in the Old Testament, when you go into the very beginning in Genesis, and people were born and they lived, how long did they live? How long did the oldest person recorded in the Bible live? 969 years, Methuselah. Adam, the first man, lived 930 years. And by the way, he didn't, he didn't get the growing up from a kid part. He, he was made fully formed, fully adult. 
So everybody else got to count those younger years in their age. How could people live that long? Well, if you actually look at the history, they're living a thousand years except for Enoch. I mean, he was just a kid. He he lived less than 400. And then he went to be in heaven with the Lord. And so all these people lived all this time. And then after the flood, the judgment of God in the flood, after the flood, they started living shorter and shorter and shorter. And pretty soon, a couple generations after the flood, you're a really old guy if you're a hundred. And that's kind of how it is today. My grandpa was 99, just a couple months short of his 100th birthday when he went home to be with the Lord. He was an old guy. I thought it was cool being a grandpa and still having a grandpa. That was really a cool uh, relationship thing for me. But uh, but when Christ returns, he's going to have the millennial reign. He will reign for a thousand years. And the people on planet Earth will live a long, long, long time like they did at the beginning. And at the end of the millennial reign, there is a final battle. And in that final battle, Satan is going to be loosed after a thousand years. He's going to stir up armies. They're going to march against God, 200 million strong, marching against Jesus in Jerusalem. And you're expecting this massive battle like Armageddon, right? Blood flowing up to the horses' bridles and all of this. You know, the Bible says something very simple. All these armies are going to gather against the Lord, and they're going to show Jesus who's boss, right? And fire comes down from God out of heaven and consumes them all. You know, I was uh, working with grill once back when we had a charcoal grill and and it just wasn't going quite enough. And I thought, it, it it needs some more lighter fluid. Okay, don't do this at home, kids. Really dumb thing. And so I shot a little lighter fluid on that. And, whew, and I had no hair on this part of my arm. It burned the hair right off my... Thankfully, that's all it did. It just singed the hair right off. But whew, the hair was there and whew, it was gone that quick. The armies are going to march against God. 200 million, that's a lot of marching, right? A lot of steps, and they're gone. The final battle isn't a battle. God destroys the enemy. And then after that, there is what's called the final judgment. And in this judgment, sometimes called the great white throne judgment, because God sits on a great white throne, and he has his judgment. And this is for those who have never trusted Jesus Christ as Savior. If that's you this morning, if you have never trusted Christ as your Savior, and you don't trust Him before you die, you will be at that great white throne judgment. And at that judgment, God will send those who have not trusted Christ God's one method of salvation. Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. Jesus the Christ. And if you have not believed in Jesus the Christ, then God says you rejected His one plan of salvation. He doesn't have plan B. He has plan J, Jesus. And that's it. And so at the final judgment, people, people that you know, people that have been family to you on earth, people that have been friends and co-workers 
If they've never trusted Christ, they will be cast into what the Bible calls the lake of fire. Can you imagine how awful that sounds? How bad that must feel? The lake of fire. And fortunately, if you have trusted Christ, you won't be part of that final judgment. You'll have a, a different judgment to receive rewards, not to receive punishment. But after the final judgment, we are going to enter the eternal kingdom. And there will be a new heaven and a new earth. And we're going to read about that in Second uh, Peter chapter 3. Beloved, I now write to you the second epistle, the second letter Peter sent out to believers in the first century, in both of which I stir up your pure minds by way of reminder. Remember in chapter 1, we were looking at that, and he said, look, I know you know this already, but I'm going to remind you again so that after I'm dead, then you can remember these things and hold on to it. Have you ever noticed as a parent, sometimes you have to say things to your kids more than once? God has to do that with his kids too. So he gives us a reminder so we will remember this. That you may be mindful of the words which were spoken before by the holy prophets and of the command of us, the apostles of the Lord and Savior. See, when Jesus was on the earth, um, and by the way, Jesus is still alive. He rose from the dead. He ascended into heaven. He rules and reigns. But when he was on the earth, he picked 12 guys to be his apostles. One of them rejected him, rebelled against him, Judas Iscariot. He died and is in hell now. Uh, and But Jesus had 12, these guys that he picked, and 11 of them were faithful. And, and God used several of these guys to write parts of the Bible. And And Peter also in here talks about Paul as writing scripture. They understood they were writing the word of God, giving instruction for the church of God for all ages for us to believe and follow Jesus. So Peter said, the writing of the holy prophets from way back in the very beginning, and now those of us who are apostles with Jesus, and we are writing this truth for you. So he says he wants you to remember these things. Remember the Bible. This is one of the reasons why we encourage you to memorize Scripture. Because sometimes that Scripture that you memorize can really help you in a difficult time in your day. The Holy Spirit can remind you of that verse and encourage you. I've experienced it, and a lot of you have experienced that. By memorizing a few verses of Scripture, or a lot of them, it can really help. So verse 3, knowing this first, that scoffers will come in the last days, walking according to their own lust, and saying, Where is the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of creation. And by the way, the scoffers today don't talk about the beginning of creation. They talk about the beginning of the evolutionary process. And they say it's just gone on this way. Did, by the way, did you know the theory of evolution has changed? When we were kids, the theory of evolution taught that there was this long, slow, gradual process of development, and things just appeared. And, and that's not what the theory of evolution is now. They've had to adapt it because all the scientific evidence disproved the theory. See, they had proof of floods all over the world. They found uh, fossil skeletons on mountaintops 
all over the world as proof of the flood that covered the whole earth. And so now they have developed a new part of the theory. It's called punctuated equilibrium. That for billions of years it went along just normal and all of a sudden, wow, something made it change. They have no idea what. But something made it change. And we, we know what. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. We have the first cause and the first action. The first thing, the first cause. God made it. And so, but they scoff and they laugh. And, you know, in church, uh, for more than 1,500 years, churches have gathered and said, Jesus is going to come, maybe, in our lifetime. I remember when I was a kid, my great-grandpa was a pastor, Pastor Paul Dale and in Kerwinsville, Pennsylvania, big city, let me tell you. And a, a pastor in his church in Kerwinsville and Pastor Dale used to preach, I believe the Lord will come back in my lifetime. My daughter Jess just reminded me, I didn't remember when he died, but he died in August 1966. The Lord didn't come back in his earthly lifetime, but Grandpa is still alive and well and with the Lord. The Lord will come back. But see, we've been talking about this for a long time. When, when you read some of the writings of, of Paul, he's writing to these churches, and they fully expected the Lord to come back in their lifetime. As we fully expect Him to come back in our lifetime. And one of the things that gives us comfort, that yes, it's been 2,000 years, He's still coming. Because the promises of Scripture. And you can look at dozens and hundreds of fulfilled prophecies in Scripture. And we can see it happened exactly like God said it would happen. And now this will happen exactly as God said it would happen. I really think it will be in my lifetime, in part because the nation of Israel exists again, and I think that was a sign. Uh, but we don't know. There could be a great worldwide revival, and he could not come for a thousand years, but he's still coming. And the cool thing is, it could be today. We could hear the trumpet sound. We could go up. And if you're driving home, the Qualls family's all in their car, and there's seven of them in their car, and the Pennock family, they're all in their car, and there's seven of them in their car, and their cars are going down the road, and they disappear. Do the cars stop? They keep going. They'll eventually stop. They'll run into something. There used to be a rule when planes first started flying that the pilot and the co-pilot could not both be Christians just in case the rapture was true. When planes first started flying, just in case they didn't want to lose them both. <laughs> yeah, they used to have a rule too that pilots were to announce when they were facing turbulent times, that now would be a good time to pray. They would announce that over the speaker system. Those of you who believe in God, now would be a good time to pray. Let me tell you, if you're flying in a plane and your pilot tells you that, you have already been praying by the time that happens. You know, that's a scary thing. But but the scoffers, the ones who make fun of believers, they say, hey, nothing has changed. The world keeps going on. They don't understand what God did. See, if you look in verse 5, for this they willingly forget 
They choose not to remember the scientific facts of the evidence. That the word of God, by the word of God, the heavens were of old and the earth standing out of the water and in the water, by which the world that then existed perished, being flooded with water. We have scientific proof of worldwide cataclysmic flood. But the scientists don't want to acknowledge, well, some of them. There are many believing scientists who understand the scripture and follow it. But, and then he says in verse 7, but the heavens and earth which are now preserved by the same word, are reserved for fire until the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men. See, when God has that final judgment, then this planet will be destroyed. Verse 8, But beloved, do not forget that this one thing, that with the Lord one day is as a thousand years, and a thousand years as one day. He's not saying God can't keep track of time. God is He can keep track of time. When the fullness of time was come, God sent forth His Son. God kept track of the times and the seasons and the periods and and what was going on on planet Earth, and He responded exactly and appropriately to those circumstances. So God can keep track of time, but God is outside of time. And so for God, there are certain things that, are already done. He's already settled it in heaven forever, O Lord. Thy word is settled in heaven. The believers that are here on planet earth, they already have a full reservation in heaven. God counts them as already being there. We already have a home there. Now, when Kathy and I moved to this town over 21 years ago, and I became the pastor, well, when when I first I met the Hars, I was pastoring in Sawarita, and we showed up there there was a home for us to move right into. We pulled up with our truck. Uh, Lee and I grabbed the piano, and we each held it with one hand and walked it. Not really. Uh, but but he carried it by himself. Uh, when when we uh, moved in, there was a place for us to move into. Uh, it, it, a mobile home got set up as the parsonage, and we moved into it on the church property. But here, we didn't have a place. And we looked, and we looked. And we looked, and for a couple of months, I lived in, we lived in Tucson, and I drove up here every day, and uh, I, I'd visit, and I'd study, and, and work here, but uh, then I'd drive all the way back to Tucson every night, and uh, that was a, a long commute, but then we were able to find a place, but when I go to heaven, I don't have to wait for a place. Benjamin and Meredith moved how long ago to Michigan? June 16th, they moved June 16th, and this last week they finally moved into the place that they've been staying at a temporary Airbnb for all this time. And they still don't have their stuff. Uh, the people have loaned them like uh, a couch and a desk until their stuff, which they'll get this coming week. But when you get to heaven, you're going to have a fully furnished, beautiful place waiting for you. With no home improvement projects needed, no home repairs needed, no dust. All right. Get thinking about that and get a little distracted. But the heaven and the earth which are now. Uh, by the way, when, when he's talking about the heaven and the earth and the destruction, I don't think that has to do with the heaven where God is. 
Because in the Bible, it talks about three heavens. The atmospheric heaven of planet Earth, the heaven where all the stars are, outer space, the sun, moon, and all the stars. So that's the second heaven. And the third heaven is where God abides. Paul said, I was caught up to the third heaven. He went to be where God was. It's not levels of heaven. It's just we talk about the heavens. We talk about the stars. They're, they're in the heavens. And, and that's an appropriate way to describe it. So I think when God does the new heaven and the new earth, it's the universe, not where he dwells. Uh, um, the Bible doesn't specify that, but that's my best understanding of it. So verse 8, But beloved, do not forget this one thing. With the Lord, one day is as a thousand years, a thousand years is as one day. God is right on schedule. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some count slackness, but is long-suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. See, if the Lord had come back on August the 9th, uh, 1976, or August the 10th, 1976 in the morning, I wouldn't have gone to heaven. Because at that point in my life, I knew I was unsaved. I knew I needed to trust Christ as my Savior. And for some reason, I was stubborn, and I didn't want to do it. And I resisted it. And I, I would sit through church just feeling like I knew God wanted me to do something, but I didn't want to do it. And they used to call it white knuckle in the pew. We don't have pews, we have chairs, but but just squeezing because you don't want to go forward. That was me. And then one day I trusted Christ as my Savior. And if the Lord had come back when I was under conviction and knew I needed to be saved and hadn't done it, I would have ended up in hell and at the final judgment cast into the lake of fire. So I'm glad the Lord waited for me. And the Bible doesn't specify, but possibly he's waiting for more people to be saved. He's wanting people to be saved. So when it said, there's people like, why is God waiting? Kathy and I had a friend in Saurita, and she said, God had to come back in 1993. Christ had to return. That was the second coming of Christ, 1993. It had to happen. I wonder if she's still alive today. She wasn't that much older than me. She very well could be. And I hope she's not disappointed. I hope she's matured in her understanding that God knows the times and the season. We don't. And it will happen right on God's schedule. And God wants people to be saved. Verse number 9. The Lord is not slack concerning His promises. Some count slackness, but is long-suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. That's what He would really like to see. Verse 10. But the day of the Lord will come, as a thief in the night, in which the heavens will pass away with a great noise, and the elements will melt with fervent heat. Both the earth and the works that are in it will be burned up. Therefore, since all these things will be dissolved, what manner of persons ought you to be in holy conduct and godliness? We'll look at that a little more next week. Looking for and hastening the coming of the day of God, because of which... The heavens will be dissolved, being on fire, and the elements will melt with fervent heat. Nevertheless, we, according to his promise, look for new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. There will be a new heaven. There will be a new earth. And, 
Have you ever noticed that some people get a little weird about the Bible? And they want to know things that God hasn't answered. And they want to figure them out when God hasn't exactly specified. And there's this big theological debate on will the earth be restored or will the earth be replaced? And there's people that, oh, this plant, it's going to be restored like it was in the Garden of Eden. And God's just going to remake it new. Well, uh, listen to these verses that might argue that, okay? I'm not going to read the whole verse. I'm just going to share what the verses say about the earth. Psalm 78, 69, he established the earth forever. Psalm 89, 36 and 7, the sun and the moon were established forever. Psalm 104, 5, you laid the foundations of the earth so that it should not be moved forever. Psalm 125, 1 and 2, Mount Zion, the mountains around Jerusalem abide forever. Ecclesiastes 1, 4, the earth abides forever. Jeremiah 7, 7, God gave Israel the land forever and forever. Uh, Joel 3, 20, Judah shall abide forever. Now, if, if we only have those verses, then you say, absolutely, the earth is just going to be made new. But, but see, when the Bible talks about forever, it's forever during the time of life on earth. So the Jewish people have the kingdom that God has established forever for them, right? The throne of, of David. And so that will last all through history till the rapture, after the rapture, through the tribulation, all through the millennial reign of Christ. But then there's a new heaven and a new earth. And there might not be a nation of Israel in the new heaven and the new earth. Things are going to be a little different in the new heaven and the new earth. But, but listen to verses that act like it's going to be brand new. Isaiah 65, 17, For behold, I create new heavens and a new earth. The solar system, the universe, will be different. Uh, Isaiah 66, 22, I will make the new heavens and the new earth. Matthew 24, 35, Mark 13, 31, Luke 21, 33, all say heaven and earth will pass away, but God's words will by no means pass away. Revelation 21, uh, now I saw a new heaven and a new earth for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. And so here in Peter, 2 Peter chapter 3 and verse number 7, it says, the new heavens, the heavens and the earth, which are now, are reserved by the same word. They're reserved for fire until the day of judgment. And then in verses 10 uh, and through 13, uh, the, the heavens will pass away with great noise. The elements will melt with fervent heat. Both the earth and the works that are in it will be burned up. Therefore, since all these things will be dissolved, uh, verse 12, um, by, because of which the heavens will be dissolved, being on fire, and the elements will melt with fervent heat. Everywhere on planet Earth we have evidence of sin. From, from the evidence of the flood to what we see going on in humanity, all around the world, the fossils were laid down in the flood as a judgment of sin. We have death and decay all over the planet. Man, when I was a kid, we moved into a house that had some big, beautiful trees. Oh, they were nice trees. They were tall climbing trees, and, and we could climb way up in one and jump over to the other one, and mom would freak out a little bit if, the, that, if she saw us doing that. But, 
uh, dad thought it was okay. And, uh, and then I went, when I was there as a teenager, um, we had a windstorm. And one of the trees had a branch this big that fell down in the backyard. Thankfully, it didn't land on anybody or on the house. And there was a rot inside the tree. And that branch, the middle part of it was all dead. And so we had to cut that tree down. And then I went in the Marine Corps, and they cut down the next tree, and the next tree, and the backyard was just dirt after that. All those big, beautiful trees were gone. Why? Because things on planet Earth decay. That's the nature of life on Earth. And yes, there are some trees that have been growing on planet Earth since before Jesus walked on Earth, but they will die. In fact, uh, we were at, where, where's, the, where's the, the General Sherman? The sequoias, the giant sequoias. And the General Sherman had a branch fall off that crashed to the ground. Thankfully, nobody was there. It crashed down onto the walkway where people could have been, but no one was there. The branch of that tree was taller than me. I stood where the branch broke off, and and just the branch of the tree was bigger than in diameter than I am tall. I could go like this and just make it. That was a massive branch of a tree, and it fell a good distance when it crashed down. Thankfully, nobody got hurt. But even the General Sherman will die because life on earth since Adam and Eve sinned in the Garden of Eden, life on earth is temporary. Some people might live for a thousand years like they did in the old days, like they might in the millennial reign, but life on earth is not forever for plants, for animals, or for people. And so we'll talk more about what happens to people, but The heavens and the earth are reserved for fire. The elements will melt with fervent heat. It will burn so hot, the dirt and rocks will burn up. It will burn so hot, the 326 million trillion gallons of water will boil away. It'll burn so hot, the entire earth will burn away. It'll burn so hot, the moon and even the sun and the stars will burn up. It will burn so hot, they will be consumed. And it will burn to an elemental level. It'll be gone. And then God will create a new heaven and a new earth. So turn to Revelation 21. And we'll look in Revelation 21 and 2. I'll show you just a couple things about the new earth. We don't know everything about it, but we know a few things. Revelation 21.1 Now I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. Also, there was no more sea. How much of the earth is covered by water right now? 75%. I mean, a little bit more than three-fourths of the world is covered by water. Now, that that's, that's a lot. I mean, the Pacific Ocean is massive. You can be on a huge ship out in the middle of the Pacific Ocean, and there's nothing around. And uh, I've never flown across a major ocean. 
but just flying across from um, Florida to Texas across the Gulf, uh, looking out the plane, all you could see in either direction was water. And um, th there will be no more sea. Now, my wife loves the ocean. She loves to go sit by the ocean and listen to the waves. She can sit by the ocean and read a book and enjoy her whole day. Which, that's nice. Because when you go by the ocean, there's always lots of shops. She's not a shopper. It's cheap to take her to the ocean, let me tell you. Give her a book, give her a seat, she's good to go till it's time to eat. So it's it's weird. I love to watch the ocean. I love to ride the waves, uh, to body surf, and and uh, it's weird to imagine it wouldn't be there. The tide comes in. The tide. Our world is shaped by water. It's what makes us really stand out, and we haven't found any planet like our planet anywhere in known existence. And there won't be any sea. There'll be water, a beautiful river, crystal river bursting forth from the throne of God, but but no more sea. And partly the sea divides us, right? We're separated by the seas. And for millennia of human history, to get across the ocean was a major ordeal. And now you can do it in a few hours on a big jet. Or even faster, if you're an astronaut, you can go zipping around the Earth, 22,000 miles an hour, or something like. I guess they don't go that fast in orbit, but in takeoff, they exceed 12,000 miles an hour. So there's going to be a new heaven and a new Earth, and there will be no more sea, no more separation for people. So it will all be new. Now, uh, I love this planet. I I love to sightsee. Kathy and I taken some road trips and we've really enjoyed it and I was uh, looking through a, a book last night a picture book she had of one of our road trips and and we saw massive trees and we saw the ocean we saw some beautiful lighthouses and you know I got her I talked her into going and standing up to like the edge of this cliff that drops away you know and and then I got all the way down and I got a picture of her standing up there and then she she's waving like this so that she shows up in the picture and I got a, a, from far away and then I zoomed in and then I zoomed in more and got a great picture of her and did you see on the news a place just like that it all crashed down and people were killed and she said I told you you shouldn't have had me so close to the edge <laughs> She was worried about it. I thought, oh, it'll be fine. It'll be fine. I don't think I will ever stand near the close edge of a cliff again. I, I always thought it was fun. But it'll be new. And so if you've been around, I haven't traveled around the world, but I've traveled around the U.S., and there's lots of beauty. And it'll all be new. And so in the new earth, we won't have a Grand Canyon. I love the Grand Canyon. I spent a week in the bottom of the Grand Canyon when I was in middle school. I've hiked the Grand Canyon multiple times. I, I love it. I love to see it. I, I love the beauty of it. It won't be there. I love the ocean. It won't be there. I, I like watching the stars and, and being able to recognize a couple of them. 
they might not be there. The moon might not be there. Or if it is, it won't be pockmarked from being hit by so many asteroids and meteorites. It, it may be smooth and glossy, and you'll be able to really see the man in the moon. I, we don't know. We don't even know if there'll be a sun, because it says that they won't need the sun, because Jesus Christ will be the light. So there might be a sun. There might not. We won't need it if it's there. But God puts a lot of beautiful things in our life that we don't really need. So in some ways it feels like we're going to miss out because the things that we really love here will be gone. But see, that's the exact opposite. The things that we, that God will, will do so much greater than what we can ever imagine. I remember when I graduated from high school, and so many of my friends were standing around crying. Like, okay, the friends I had that were girls were standing around crying. High school is over. All this great times. It's, it's going to be terrible. We're not going to see each other again. And all our teachers were like, yes, go away. You know? uh, but, but it seemed really sad. This was ending. I got to tell you, life is so much better since then. And that's how it's going to be when we're with the Lord. We're, we're, have you ever known that feeling when you've had horrible hiccups for a few hours and they finally go away? And it's like that life is good again. We're, we're going to be with the Lord and life will be so much better. So there will be, it'll all be new. There'll be no more sea. And we're, we're going to look only at a couple of verses in chapter 22. Revelation 22, look in verse number 3. And there shall be no more curse, but the throne of God and of the Lamb shall be in it, and His servant shall serve Him. No more curse. What happened on planet Earth as a result of the curse? Thorns and thistles and a hard ground. Now, Lee ran his own... Um, landscaping company, and then he would hire me to help with big jobs. Like when he had to move the 300-pound trees, we, I'd hold half and he'd hold half and we'd move them together. But but when we had to dig things to plant, we had to use picks and shovels. And, and it was hard work. He did it every day. I just did it every now and then. And... In the garden, it probably wasn't that way before the curse because God hardened the ground as part of the curse. So imagine the new heaven, the new earth. You want to move a tree, you just pull it over to where you want it to be. It, it, it's, there's not going to be any curse. If there are rose bushes, they won't have thorns. If there are lemon trees, they won't have those massive thorns that rip into you. There won't be goat heads on the ground. If there will be snakes, they won't bite. Or if they bite, it won't hurt. It won't be poisonous. In fact, snakes being on the ground is part of the curse. Maybe if there are snakes, they'll be flying or walking upright. And talking to us. There'll be no more 
curse. So much of what we endure on planet earth is a direct result of the curse. But on the new heaven, the new earth, there will be no more curse. Look at verse 5. 22.5. There shall be no night there. They shall need no lamp nor light of the sun. For the Lord God gives them light and they shall reign forever and ever. There'll be no night. There'll be no dark. We won't need lights on the inside. I mean, we put a lot of work into these lights. We, we've changed the, the lights out and we put in new bulbs and Tim Martinez went through a big study to find bulbs that gave more light that were cheaper to run. And it took a lot of work on his part to get them. And once, once you get them, they're pretty easy to put in. You screw one out, screw one in. Uh, I, I mean, but, but we won't need lights anymore. The other day, Megan and I were trying to see something in a dark corner, and I got my phone out. I turned the flashlight on, turned the flashlight app on, and I stuck it down there, and we could see it. We won't have that issue. Nothing will be lost in the dark. In the dark on planet Earth, that's when kind of bad things sometimes happen. In the dark, there are more robberies in the dark, more murders in the dark, more... Uh, bad things that take place in the dark because people are part, there will be no dark. And it's going to be a completely different world. And when Paul was writing to the church in Corinth, he said in 1 Corinthians 2.9, As it is written, I have not seen nor ear heard, and nor has entered the heart of man the things that God has prepared for those who love him. We can't imagine it. In the same way, a person from 150 years ago, if they fell asleep and, you know, slept like uh, whoever that guy was, not Rumpelstiltskin, was it? Rip Van Winkle. If they slept like Rick Van Winkle and woke up 150 years later and they saw a jet plane, this huge jet going through the sky, they would wonder what kind of bird that was. They couldn't imagine the way that we live today. In fact, there's an old story told of an old farmer who went with his family the first time to a city, and they were in a city, and they went to a mall, and there was an elevator. He'd never seen an elevator. He'd just been a farmer out there, and he watched as this woman went into the elevator, and she was kind of heavy, and the elevator door closed, and then the door opened up. This beautiful young woman came out, and then he watched another person go in there and this person could barely walk and kind of hold on to a cane and just move it and the door shut and then a little bit later the door opened up and this young woman came walking out. He said to his son, son, go get your mother. <laughs> I'm going to hear about that one later, I think. Uh, It's going to be beyond our ability to comprehend how great it will be. It is beyond our ability. And when we get there, we're going to be blown away. Now, most of you know that I am colorblind. And if you watch a black and white movie, that's kind of the world I live in. And But the human eye only sees about this much of the color spectrum. What if in heaven we see the whole thing? See, I'm expecting to be blown away. 
But, but I think you guys will be more blown away because we'll see so much more. The sound waves. Our ears can only get just a tiny little bit of the sound wave spectrum. What if in heaven we can hear the whole thing? It'll be amazing. The new heaven, the new earth will blow us away and it'll provide all of our needs. It'll bring joy and happiness. It's a great place. And it will be magnificent. It is beyond our capacity to comprehend right now. It's beyond our wildest dreams. But God's going to make it happen. Because He said so. And He's going to take this earth that exists now, He's going to melt it all the way down to the elemental level, atomic level. It's not going to be just reshaped. He's not going to just change the outside. He's going to change it from the inside out and all the universe while he's at it. And we're going to see the glories beyond what Adam and Eve saw in the garden. You know, in the garden, God walked with Adam and Eve in the cool of the day. And in the new heaven, in the new earth, God will dwell with us. He already does in our heart. The Holy Spirit does. It will dwell with us in a more substantial way that we'll be visually able to experience the presence of God. It's going to be great. Between now and then, there's difficulties, judgments, tribulations, the final judgment. But if you trust the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior, you will miss all those judgments. You, you won't miss all the difficulties of life. I mean, there's a lot of people in this room who have scars on their bodies. Some were accidental. Some were on purpose. Surgeons making things new and replacing. But buddy, when God makes something new, it's going to work better than it did the first time. What does He have in store for us? And what if today was the day He called us home and we got our first glimpse of the heaven of heavens where He dwells? God will replace this planet. and We, we do kind of need to take care of it. I, I think we all should be a little green, right? I, I think that would be good. But, but I don't think we need to be ridiculous about it. God provided these things for us to use to be able to improve our lives. And I'm grateful for some of the things that we have. I don't want to go back to live like the Amish live. I like my cell phone. I like my van. I like a stove, and I love air conditioning. But let's be responsible. And let's remember... There are a lot of people in this town and in our communities that don't know the Lord. And so when we look forward with a smile of, man, this is going to be great, they don't have that. It's going to be beyond their capacity to understand how much it will hurt. So let's do what we can to try and reach them for Christ. There's a hymn in our hymnal number 153, Worthy of Worship. 
we're going to sing Worthy of Worship, just thinking about our amazing God and all that He has planned for our life on earth and so much more in the life to come.